0: hello everyone and welcome to every horror movie on netflix the podcast where we watch review and discuss every horror movie on netflix i'm patrick back as usual with my friends chris hello and steven hi and we are here. We're we're you know we're downshifting into that magical no man's land time between Christmas and New Year's, and we're sitting down with a cup of old lang syne to partake in our annual tradition here at Every Horror Movie on Netflix, where we give out our annual awards for the best and worst of the horror movies uh, and other horror media that we watch for the podcast and outside the podcast this year. We're going to be hitting you with those in just a minute here. But before we jump in, as usual, we'll do a little horror catch-up on anything we've been watching, reading, experiencing in the horror world since last episode. Um, what have you guys uh, been been into lately?
1: Not a whole lot, but I did start, I started Alan Wake 2, the oh, game. Nice. And after, you know, two or three hours, first two or three hours, I like it a lot. It's got a lot of potential. Um, I certainly I think I, I think it looks and feels and, and seems a lot better than the first Alan Wake. Uh, so so we'll see. It's it seems to be more heavily inspired by the X Files than the first Alan Wake, and I appreciate that. Ooh. Interesting. That's all I gotta say at this time, but I'm enjoying that. And it's good to see it, it it's such a well made game. I'm it's digital only. Did you know that? And that's mm. that's a shame because, I don't know, I guess the whole industry is moving towards digital, but survival horrors, uh, a genre that's had some struggles in gaming and has had its ebbs and flows and seems to be a little bit on a on an uptick, uh, but it's not going to happen if very well-made games that look and play better than damn near anything else I've played recently uh, are treated like indie releases. Anyway, that's all I got to say.
0: I actually just downloaded Alan Wake 1, and Uh I'm really excited to play it, um, because I've heard good things for a long time. Um, And I think it kind of recently was made available for PlayStation, maybe, because I think it it seemed inaccessible to me for a long time, because I think it was Xbox only.
1: Yeah, it was Xbox and PC only, and then they remastered it a year or two ago. Okay, Um, yeah.
0: So yeah, and I'm looking forward to playing through that and then getting to, to two as well. So we can probably have a little wake wake chat on episodes to you come. You didn't
1: take my advice though.
0: So. Yeah, you said just skip one, but I've heard mm-hmm. amazing things about one from so many people, and I, I wanted to see where it all starts.
1: All right. Well, if you if you don't like it, you should still play it on wake two. All right.
2: <laughs> it's your journey. Well, on the survival horror front, uh, I Chris, you'll be proud. I recently, uh, it's the holiday break, I restarted Resident Evil 7. Good. It was too scary for me the first time. It's still too scary for me, but I'm (laughs) going to try and beat it. Um,
1: It's just a game.
2: It's just a game. I have to remind myself while playing it. It's just (laughs) a game. It's true. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Uh, Even with the lights on. I'm playing with the lights on this time, and it's still too scary. It's It's just a
1: game. It's just a game. It's just a... Ah! (laughs) 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 Uh,
2: I watched two of my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, earlier in this break, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 and Christmas Evil. I, I can't go a season without seeing at least Christmas Evil. Um, and, you know, those, those are a blast. And over on the Amon, uh, book club front, we started a new book for the new year, uh, a little bit early Brian Evanson's short story collection, Fugue State. I read the first two stories yesterday and it's kind of, I dare say, unlike any short fiction I've read, the stories are very oblique, and I am confused but intrigued, and I look forward to digging into that. So join us, join me on the Discord in a Stevens Book Club chat if you want to talk about that. And, uh, you know, if your New Year's resolution is to get back into reading, it's a good place to start because uh, we take things very loosely over there. There's no no hard and strict rules people join the discussion, they haven't even finished the book. It's crazy. <laughs> Everybody's welcome.
0: Yeah, we've got a link to the Discord in the show notes for this episode. And I'm looking forward to getting back into the loop with the book club on this one, because I love short stories. So I'll be I'll be in on that. Um, I, in the past week or two, uh, did the ceremonial watching of Gremlins 1 and 2 for the hol- holiday season, which was a delight, as always. The only other thing I really have as far as a plug, uh, and it's it's you know it's one of those things where it's a little horror adjacent. But I did get to see Godzilla minus one, and that fully lived up to the hype that I had seen. I didn't really know much about it other than that it's a Japanese Godzilla movie going in. Um, but I was not prepared for a surprisingly effective period piece that uh, kind of delves into the effects of post World War II trauma in Japan and the years immediately following the war, uh, stacked on top of some really incredible monster action. It just kind of worked on every level for me and felt like the kind of action that I love to see and wish there was more of. So I'll add my voice to the chorus of those uh, uh, endorsing Godzilla Minus One.
2: I, I need to see that. I, I thought it was like, I didn't even know it was coming out. And then all of a sudden there was this kind of heaping on of praise for it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be like a two days in theaters sort of thing, but it actually made a ton of money. I mean, I think it's like one of the highest grossing films in Japan of all time. Oh wow. And over here it's doing gangbusters as well. So hoping to check that while it's still in theaters. And I didn't know that it's about a subject near and dear to our hearts after visiting the world war two music. Yeah.
0: In
2: New Orleans. Um, so that's an extra level of fascination for me.
0: Yeah, it was a weird companion piece to that because the three of us went to the World War II Museum on our little trip to Amon trip to New Orleans uh, for Stephen's birthday um, a few months ago. And one of the things that really interested me at that museum was everything I learned about the Pacific Theater. And, and just I was completely ignorant of that. So it was a nice companion piece to that as far as exploring, I think, a fairly authentic Japanese perspective on, on all of that. But anyways, we're not here to talk about the fucking Pacific Theater. We're here to talk. We should.
1: Well, you know what? We're a history podcast now. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to bring in the new year talking about the Baton Death March. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) All right.
0: uh, Well, we're going to get into our awards here, and I'll run down the categories as usual before we um, start handing them out. We are going to pick our favorite movie we watched for Amon this year our least favorite Amon movie we watched this year. We're introducing a new award because you all know that we took a little detour uh, this past year in support of the Writers and Actors' Strikes, We left Netflix behind for a few months and uh, reviewed A24 horror movies because A24 was actually managing to treat its talent appropriately during the strike and so got some waivers to continue their productions. So we'll be giving out a separate award for our favorite A24 movie that we watched during that process. And we're calling that one the Sacred Deer Award in honor of the killing of a sacred deer, which we watched then we're going to give out our award for best horror movie of 2023 so that's the best horror that came out this year Uh, could be something we watch for the podcast or not Uh, best horror discovery which is any horror media from any year that we uh discovered and enjoyed in the past year and finally the beloved spirit of jay award which is the award for the character in one of uh, the movies we watch for the podcast that most lives up to the wonderful, unforgettable, heroic, noble uh, spirit of Jay, a character from a movie we watched fucking six years ago that you probably only know this meme if you are a diehard who's been following us for a long goddamn time, but we still love our Jay on this podcast.
2: Oh, I want to throw in one more tiny award at the end. I want to do one for my favorite uh, book club selection of this year.
0: Sure. Let's do it.
1: I won't be participating in that because I don't know how to read. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As you've demonstrated over and over again. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, let's lead off with our favorite Amon movie of the year. Chris, would you like to start, perhaps? Yeah,
1: and I wanna, I wanna preface this by saying it was a bad year for Amon movies. <laughs> it was a wild year. Going down that list, I was like, "What the fuck are half of these?" Movies? I, I feel like, you know, usually if there's some gems every year, there's a couple gems where I'm like, "Oh man, that was a, that was a cool discovery." This year. Everything was pretty bad, except for a couple of movies that I'd already seen before. And then when we switched to A twenty four, ironically, it didn't get much better. <laughs> um, oh, <but> like. <laughs> hot take, maybe. But uh, the the best of the year in terms of Amon, I guess I begrudgingly have to say. End of Days. <laughs> End of Days. Arnold Schwarzenegger shooting the devil uh, a gratuitous amount of times, even though the devil is established in like the first scene to be immune to bullets. Uh, that was a fun film. You just need a bigger gun.
2: He just yeah. gets bigger and bigger weapons throughout the film, as I remember Yeah,
1: Um, it's hilarious. It was fun, and it was something that I hadn't seen before and, and something that surpassed my expectations. I'm glad to have seen it, and we'll probably watch it again at some point not a great film, but uh, it was it was entertaining, and it was a movie that lived up to its premise, you know, like if you hear a movie, like, I just watched Jingle All the Way for, for Christmas, which is Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger boy. plays a dad who wants to get the hottest toy of the season for his son on Christmas Eve after it's sold out in all the stores. Great premise, but then you watch the movie and it's like Arnold in some fanciful factory full of, like, Santa Clauses and he's punching, he has a, like it's like him versus a hundred Santa Clauses and then it's him flying around Minneapolis on a jetpack, it's stuff that doesn't really like serve that premise that was so enticing the reason i watched the movie end of days you you put it on because you want to see arnold fighting the devil and he fights the devil and satanists throughout the entire movie so end of days my favorite amon movie of the year i guess
0: does what it says on the tune I think there's a little a uh, uh, rhyme to last year's episode here, uh, last year's year end episode here, because I, if I remember correctly, oh yeah, Stephen's best Amon of the year, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of my runners up for worst of the year, yeah. uh, which I have to say, End of Days was also on my short list, but not my, oh. my absolute worst. Stephen, what was your best Amon of the year? Well, I think
2: Chris forgot that we watched Julia DeCornow's Raw this year for Amon. Um, and I felt kind of I felt kind of odd picking like a, a a film that is known to be very good critically and commercially for this because you know the spirit of Amon is all about watching the shit that uh, that that people are are kind of afraid to waste their time on. But this film I think was first available streaming on Netflix and it had been in my queue for a long time. I was worried I would be too grossed out by the, the subject matter, the, the whole you know cannibalism um, and animal abuse of it all. And man, what a treat. I think it's the one of the only Amon movies that I've watched multiple times before recording the episode because I was just so drawn into it and wanted a deeper understanding. And it is a very strange film that does reward a, a second viewing or even a third or a fourth to fully unpack it. I think it's just a masterful coming-of-age film uh, that, that is also deeply chilling and really captures the uh, the, the college experience very well. Um, so that was my that was my favorite watch of the year. Uh, if we're not talking A twenty four,
0: about that. you, Patrick. Uh, Same, actually. Raw was my favorite movie we watched for Amon this year. Um, It's just what I always hope to get out of watching movies for this show, which is a movie that is entertaining and horrifying, but also has some depth and some stuff to, no pun intended, chew on. In it, um, and boy, did we find a lot just to chew on in our uh, episode. I re-listened to it last night. It's almost an hour and a half, and we're just we're just unpacking themes most of the time. Sometimes I think yeah. we do a lot of plot summary on this podcast, and it was so fascinating because we all had really such different reads on it, um, but we all loved the movie. You know, it wasn't like one of us was coming at it from like, okay, this movie sucks and it fails to articulate this theme. But we all. We all loved it and thought it articulated on kind of three different ideas, which is just such a, you know, I, I think that's a, a great sign of a movie doing something um, uh, compelling and memorable. Um, and yeah, Raw, I think, is kind of winner head head and shoulders for me this year.
1: Had neither of you seen it before?
0: I had. I had not.
2: Oh, wow. I had, I had wanted to, and I actually watched her film Tatan before even seeing Raw, because I just was so worried that it was going to gross me out. Hmm. And um, I really, you know, I, I, it, it came to me at the right time either way. I, I loved it upon arrival. Yeah. So.
1: Well, yeah, that's a good pick then. I, I didn't pick it because I'd seen it before. And like, you know, it was it didn't feel like it really counted as an Amon movie because it wasn't something I discovered through the show, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's but, fair. Um, but no, good pick. Good pick. I'm glad you guys discovered that this year through our little show. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Now it's time to move on to the other side of that coin, the worst Amon movie that we watched oh. this year. And again, leaving out the A24 movies because we're going to do a special award for that. What was the worst Amon movie you watched this year, Stephen? <laughs> um. <laughs> 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 I, I spent a lot
2: of time thinking about this last night. Um, we watched some shit this year. Guys. We some really bad shit. The one that really stuck out to me that I kind of had to listen back to the episode a little bit to get some recall on what was going on there was uh There's Someone Inside Your House. Mm. Is uh to me stood out as the worst movie of the year, just kind of at a glance looking at the list because one, it doesn't deliver on the title. Um, I think I even <laughs> said in the episode, there's never really a scene, except in the very beginning, where there's someone inside a house who isn't supposed to be there. And I also remember as the I movie- think it's metaphorical. That, well, the metaphor was didn't work on me, I guess. <laughs> uh, a misleading title, you're expecting kind of a- I was expecting sort of a home invasion thing. And the only other thing I remember about it is that it's a movie that posits that all- Teens talk about is identity politics. <laughs> the uh, the entire script felt like it was written by by a boomer imagining that uh, teens are reading CNN twenty four seven including the op eds,
1: and also incl- and also collecting Nazi paraphernalia. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ!
2: I forgot about that. Okay, uh, yeah, yes, another knock against it. I thought that was just a uh, deplorable film. There's someone inside your house. Don't cue
1: it. Definitely screw it. And that was directed by somebody of note, right? Who directed that?
0: Oh, isn't it the uh, um, creep guy?
1: Yes, the creep yes. guy, Patrick yeah. Bryce. Yeah. Yeah, damn. Oh, so far, he's only
2: made one good film in this <laughs> um, Patrick, what was your least favorite Amon movie? What was the worst Amon movie of 2023?
0: I, I think I have to go with a two-way tie here. So uh, a movie that has kind of haunted our memes for a long time and now haunts our dreams is The Bye-Bye Man. Just yeah. what, a, <laughs> what a, a circus of so many mismatched half-baked elements you got cameos from notable notable actors who just seem absolutely wasted on those roles you have a central villain who's just kind of this grab bag of bizarre mythology that's never really explained I, I also listened back to this episode to kind of refresh my memory and it was kind of fun just listening to our like us unpack our mutual shock at this experience and uh brought it all back for me that one was at least bad in a fun way tusk was not and that is my runner-up i've ranted and raved about tusk enough already on this podcast so i'm not gonna say anymore but well those you were listen, the, those listen, were the two listen. biggest pieces of shit for me this year
2: you also had already seen Tusk, and you still made us and yourself watch it again. So that's on you, motherfucker. Yeah. You, you picked it because it cool. was a piece of shit, and you hated it. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you, yeah. I have no recall of the Bye Bye Man. Like, I could not... Good. Don't think uh, it. Don't, don't think it. Say don't it. say it. I'm not... I can't think I can't say it. I saw that movie, and my brain just said, bye bye, man. <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs>
0: What a bizarre, what a bizarre, I, That's that's got to be up there as far as just one of the strangest and I guess most interesting in some ways, failures that we've seen in this entire experience of the past six years. Um, wild time. Chris, how about you? What was your worst aim on of this year?
1: Not just worst aim on of this year, worst movie I saw this year, Damn. worst movie <laughs> I maybe I have ever seen picking. in my fucking life. Damn. Was I responsible for it? I think so. <laughs> it was the open house. <laughs> yeah. Oh.
2: Never have I experienced such vitriol from Chris <laughs> as when I picked the open house to watch for the podcast.
0: As if I had made the film. And I still feel so, like, fortuitous in my timing of missing that episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you, I think you need to watch this. Um, Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> I just I what can I say that hasn't already been said? This this is just like the stereotype of a bad horror movie. Nothing happens in this movie. It's it's 90% people walking around in the dark. Um It feels like it was written by chat GPT. I think this is Mm -hmm. where AI is going to push the industry because Netflix is going to just be like, oh, here's some script that was here's some movie that was made with minimal human input. We took the guy from 13 reasons why, because that was a hit. And we just like made some half ass like this is horror, right? The light went out script. (laughs) And I just have nothing but contempt for this film and I it was a it's a stain on my soul that I had to watch it and it wasn't like that we watch we watch plenty of bad movies but they at least have something in it that gets me gets my pulse rate up like say the blue whale when a certain character shows up <laughs> we'll, at the end we'll talk
2: about that later trust
0: <laughs> <me>.
1: <laughs> um, but the open house was just put made me feel like I was in a coma and just it's just really really bad really bad. if I had to watch a movie like that every week I would move to a different country and uh, i put myself in prison with no TV. I'd say, what do I have to do to get in the cell with no TV? And i do it.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of been the Netflix model for – that was a Netflix original, as I recall. That's been their model since the beginning, Netflix original programming. Aside from the, the insane amounts of money that they've poured into, like, you know, giving, you know, letting Alfonso Cuaron make a beautiful film or a restoring a lost Orson Welles classic. Their original programming sucks, and it's always felt like it was made by AI. I remember when House of Cards came out and thinking, oh, they clearly just looked at, like, who were the popular actors at the time? LOL that one of them was Kevin Spacey of all fucking people. And oh, they just don't made a say that around Chris. Bullshit show about it.
1: I, I, that's a that is a shocking take because House of Cards was actually good and actually was done it? when Netflix had some credibility and I think Kevin Spacey was was not the star that he became uh, before House of Cards. Well, let me be Frank, Chris. Um, <laughs> we could probably get him on this show at this point.
0: I think he would do anything for a spot. We'll be
1: like, we'll let you be Frank. <laughs>
0: You still regard that the first season as a perfect season of television, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're still telling me to watch that, which I still haven't.
1: First season's great. Um, then then it goes downhill pretty pretty suddenly. I could do a TEDx talk about it. But
0: I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, the open house. Uh, glad to know. I, you know, I I don't think I'm going to touch that one. I, I'm glad to have this uh, to have missed it and to have this uh, additional warning to stay away. Well,
1: that's all right. You're playing Alan Wake, so you'll get some of the experience. You you really don't like <laughs> Alan Wake 1, huh? It's fine. It's it's just kind of boring. Interesting. Talk about it. Talk about something that's 90% walking around in the dark. Mm.
0: <laughs> anyway. All right. Um on to more positive territory. We're going to give out the Sacred Deer award, which again is our favorite A24 movie that we watch for the podcast in the relatively short period of time we were doing that who would like to go first
1: you you go first i want to hear what you have to say
0: my favorite is Bo is afraid well hey me too oh what so I, I was
2: i should have said earlier on i think we should have a rule that like if somebody else has the same pick let's just both or all three of us talk about it and get it out of the yeah, way just gang up uh, on but yeah why did you pick Bo is afraid patrick it's
0: it's it's just unlike anything i've ever seen it felt like a particularly relatable and singular horror movie for me because it's the horror of anxiety. And anxiety is something I've struggled with a ton in, in my life, got medicated for this year, which is a, one of my big wins of the year. It encapsulates so perfectly taking anxiety to its natural, illogical, most extreme end, like every single intrusive thought that this guy could have about his situation plays out and happens to him leading up to the most outrageous climax that this movie possibly could have had. It's certainly not for everyone, but it was very much for me. Um, I found it funny. I found it horrifying and I found it exceedingly well-crafted. It was wonderful. And I mean, there are there were a lot of good movies we watched on that A24 journey, you know, Climax, Men, Lighthouse could all share this space for me, but Bo was the one that really stuck out. How about you, Stephen? What were your feelings about it? Why is it The Sacred Deer for you?
2: I mean, I really liked Men. I really liked Killing of a Sacred Deer. I really didn't like Climax. Um, what else did we watch? Am I missing... Probably the Lighthouse. Of- the Lighthouse is great. <laughs> the Tusk. Lighthouse is great. The Black Coat's Tusk daughter. Sucks. Oh, yeah. The Black Coat's daughter is get, n- get not some love.
1: Me. Get some love for the Black Coat's daughter. Mm-hmm. I no? have a
2: feeling it's going to get some love. No, it's not. <laughs> i have done not. talking.
0: Okay. <laughs> I like Black Coat's daughter, too. It's it's more middling of that bunch for me. I loved Man as well. But 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 I was afraid.
2: It's yeah. just, it's just um, we, we, we've had some indie filmmakers who have to- toyed with the horror space uh, in recent years, who have gone on to make a third feature that is, you know, at least twice the budget of their biggest budget film before, and they've just taken big swings. This was a, a, a notable member of that group, um, Ari Aster, coming off of midsummer with a shitload of money, you know, for his kind of film, maybe like $30 million or something. Um, it's, it's an unbankable movie. It takes takes crazy swings. I don't think it's altogether effective. I think it's also a very dumb. He himself has said it's dumb. Don't think too much about it. Uh, but at this on the same token, like it is a weird wild kind of endeavor. And I think of all the a 24 movies that we've watched on uh, for our podcast, it's the one that I'm most likely to revisit in the future, or at least the most likely to think about from time to time. Um, to have have like sort of an image recall from because there are just so many weird fucking moments in it. I'm never gonna stop thinking about the 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 spider and uh, the the guy <laughs> lurking over the bathtub,
0: mm-hmm. um, or Parker Posey dying mid coitus and being carried out <laughs>
2: as if of she's the a room. mannequin yes. stuck in <laughs> stuck in orgasm. It's just so good. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a mess of a movie. I don't think it's very deep. I think the, I still really don't like the whole kind of middle passage with the the theater troupe. I, I get what Ari's trying to do there, but the movie is not smart enough or sincere enough to pull it off but it's it stuck with me enough that i made you guys watch it after i had kind of mixed feelings the first time going through
0: i mean this movie is so weird and idiosyncratic that like it essentially broke a24 at this point like this movie did terribly to the point that now all these rumors are flying that we've discussed on the show already that like a24 is going to try and move towards more bankable ip which is sad. But I mean, talk about a sacred deer, I guess we can look back on this as perhaps the final hallmark of a certain era of this uh, distributor that has put out some pretty incredible stuff. Mm. What was your sacred deer, Chris?
1: Uh, It's really hard for me to say, because I I came into this discussion thinking it was going to be the killing of a sacred deer, um, because that was a fun movie. It stuck with me. There's exchanges in that movie I just think about while I'm like, Making lunch like a (laughs) a surgeon can't kill a patient. Only an anesthesiologist. Oh my god! I think about that like every other day. Um, It's haunting. That is very funny and something that I'll probably watch again someday. Bo is afraid though. I kind of forgot about that. The first, you know, half of Bo is afraid is amazing. The other half really kind of dragged for me i can't say it's my favorite because i wouldn't recommend it to anybody i don't think i'd recommend the first half hour to somebody but i can't i can't vouch for bo is afraid um you're gonna hate it but i've already vouched for tusk i've told <laughs> friends to watch tusk Ooh. so i think that has to be my favorite a24 <laughs> which i know it sounds black like blasphemy because we watched a lot of you know so-called great films uh for a24 but Um, Tusk is one that kind of really surprised me and I really enjoyed and, uh, can see myself watching in the future. So, and
2: it's an early, I mean, it's worth noting Tusk was a fairly early A24 film. Um, I, I would say it's probably the movie, it's the movie that put them on the map for me, even though I didn't see it at the time it came out, um, just because of like what a wild Gamble it was, while also being a fairly low-budget movie. It was—it's it's kind of paradoxical, but it, it gained a lot of uh, traction in in the news media because of that. So,
1: you know, it's so, a lot like Bo is Afraid. All the stuff you're saying about Bo is Afraid. Oh, it's true. He's taking big swings. Oh, it's so stupid. Except they have Justin Long turned into a walrus instead of like a eight foot tall cock and ball talking monster. to our main yeah. character. Yeah. <laughs> And one you're, you're, one is more legitimate than the other in this group, apparently. So,
2: <laughs> I I cannot argue with you there. The parallels, wow. We we could do a whole episode on that, and I'm sure we we would be better off not doing it. Oh um,
1: oh oh! Uh, so a director saying, "Oh, this is a dumb movie," is douchebag behavior when it's Kevin Smith, but not when it's Arias. No, I, don't I think I Kevin think that Smith that is. never said it was a dumb movie. I think that's the problem. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think that is douchebag behavior from Ari. I don't I don't like that. He oh said yeah. That. And I don't Mm. like a lot of the things Ari says about his own movies, which I guess is why I kind of prefer focusing on just the movie itself instead of whatever sort of edgelord thing he decides to say about his already edgelord movie. (laughs) True. So next up is Best Horror of 2023. So the best horror movie that came out this year. And I'll lead off on this one as well, because my best one is also Bo is Afraid. And I mean, that's it's weird because this year, I guess maybe I didn't see a ton that came out new this year but i was underwhelmed by a lot of what i saw like i mean i was just kind of going down the list like talk to me Skinner rank the new scream megan evil dead rise like i so and most of those except for Skinner rank i like to at least some degree but they were all a little like mm, okay fine whatever yeah i feel to that to me um so you know again Bo, i already said my piece on it it's it's fucking wild and i'll give uh, fall at the house of usher a uh, A runner-up or or tie space for best horror, even though it's not a a film. But goddamn, it slapped.
2: If we had a category for series, I was going to throw that in. I mean, I think I really enjoyed the Fall of the House of Usher, but it's pretty slight. Like it does feel like kind of a succession knockoff in some ways. I don't think it has a whole lot to say, but it was it was fun and it was nasty. Yeah, and the performances are great. Bruce Greenwood was able to like. Command the whole show mm-hmm. along with Carlo Gugino, and he was a fucking replacement. Mm-hmm. Like, remember, um, uh, what's his name got fired? Langella. Role. Langella got fired, and 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 Bruce Greenwood was perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like he should have been there from the beginning. That was fantastic. I, I my favorite movie. I I did really like Talk to Me, but I think the ending or the last like twenty minutes of it kind of faltered. I think when evil lurks mm. is my, my favorite. I mean, and I don't think it's recency bias that the, this is a shutter movie. It's Argentinian and it, it, it's a possession movie and everybody who listens to the show knows that is not my bag, but this movie just really goes there. It's really surprising and gross and weird and mean. And, uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. I can't say anything else about it because it'll, it'll spoil some of the surprises along the way.
0: I need to finally get to
1: that. You know, I'm really bad at watching horror movies outside of this show. So I didn't see a lot. I didn't see anything that really blew me away. Um, I skin of Marink was fun. It was a fun uh, cultural moment and a fun experience to watch, but I wouldn't say it was, it was great, um, but it does stand out when I look back at the year, I think I just have to say saw X. I think I just have to say <laughs> Saw X, which I, I didn't even like as much as, like, talk to me. But, you know, just the just the fact that Saw is back and Tobin Bell came back and they made that movie and I didn't think they would ever do something that dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you say Saw is back. Did Saw ever go away? yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I think two thousand seven, no two thousand. When it saw three D come out, so so yeah, there um, was it
0: saw the final chapter, and then it died for a few years, and then they made the weird Chris Rock one. Oh, and then yeah, they made Jigsaw. It never really went away. For
1: well, that long. they made them yearly until twenty ten. From yeah. like two thousand three to t- two thousand ten, they the- made them yearly, and then they made one in two thousand ten. Then they didn't make one until twenty seventeen. And then Spiral came out in 2021, but that was sort of a spinoff. Um, it didn't have Jigsaw in it. So mm. bringing going back, and apparently they're doing Saw Eleven next year. So we're back on the yearly yearly release schedule, and I think that's pretty cool. So I'll just say, okay, fine, good job. That's my favorite movie of the year, even though it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> the best the best horror thing that came out this year would be Resident Evil Four, the remake video game. But we're not we're not talking about video games, so.
0: We just talked the about fall, House of the fall of, <laughs> fall of the House of Usher, so give the yeah. give the pitch for the RE4 remake.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, the RE4 remake, another thing that's like, I feel like they've put out a, a port of the original Resident Evil 4 every year since it came out. It's always on a new system, but it's the same game. And then uh, they've been remaking the Resident Evil games, and they remade Resident Evil 4, which seemed like a fool's errand, because the first game is a masterpiece and hasn't really aged. But it was great, and um, uh, my opinion, and the opinion of the people I know who adored the first Resident Evil 4, is that this has kind of replaced it, and it's, it's hard to imagine us going back to the old Resident Evil 4, even though it was maybe my favorite game of all time. Uh, so, good for them for doing that. That was fun. It continues to be fun. I'm going to replay that one for sure. That was the best new horror release for me. Not a movie, but again, I'm bad at watching movies. Looking forward
0: to digging into that now that I finally have a PS5 sometime Mm -hmm. in the new year after I get through Alan Wake 1 and 2. All right, so that brings us to the best discovery, best horror discovery category, which is, again, uh, Mm -hmm. something that you learned about this year uh, and enjoyed not for the podcast and didn't come out this year. It can have come out any year, any medium. Um, Steve, I don't know. I'm trying to keep track of who's, who's... you, you, do it. you
1: do it you go I, first
0: I went first the last two
1: times oh then don't go first I'll go Chris first.
0: you go what's your discovery
1: um uh, happy death day something oh. that I'd been meaning to see for a oh, while fun. and never did and and it had I kind of had low expectations for it to be honest and I watched it and it kind of blew me away a little bit I really liked it I was when I saw it I was like oh I gotta go to the library and get happy death day two now and I didn't do that for some reason Mm -hmm. still should do that i've already forgotten a lot of the details of the first happy death day but no it was fun and especially because like i saw freaky and i was lukewarm on it and they have the same director and the same kind of tone so i wasn't expecting a whole lot but um, happy death day that's a good one that's how you do a horror comedy and it was it was sincere scary and funny and interesting at the same time so i'm glad i watched that on my own
0: Speaking of which, did you guys see Christopher Landon has followed yeah. uh, Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera out the door of the Scream franchise? That's really uh, falling the fuck apart.
2: I heard his friend and uh, and screenwriter Michael Kennedy on a podcast the other day, and he like almost started crying. This was oh, damn. before before the news broke, but he was like, I feel so bad about what's happening. He the Christopher Landon was getting death threats. Um, His family members were getting death threats over these salary disputes that he has no control over. Mm. Um, So I was kind of happy to see that he finally was just like, all right, fuck you, Toxic Fandom. I really wanted to make this movie, but my life and livelihood is more important. So goodbye.
1: Wow. I I, I was told Toxic Fandom was a Zack Snyder thing.
2: Oh, my God. Turns (laughs) out it's rampant. It's rampant, Chris, in all forms of media.
0: What was your favorite discovery of this year, Stephen?
2: Chuck Tingle was my favorite discovery <laughs> of this year. Uh, over over at my little book club, we read, you know, he's famously a writer of, like, weird, you know, just totally bizarre off-the-wall erotica that I kind of ignored because it seemed very stunty to me. You know, he his identity is unknown. He wears a pink bag over his head that says, love is real. And I thought, you know, fuck this. Like, he's not a real writer. I have no interest. Um, but I heard him as a guest on the King Cast a couple of times, and he was surprisingly insightful, delightful, definitely weird um, in in a good way. And and uh, we read his book Camp Damascus, which is not perfect, but I think as 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 his first stab at like serious writing, I think it's pretty commendable. And he he has said that his whole career is a Trojan horse for this kind of book and the kinds of messages that are in this book um, he's somebody who truly believes in in love and you know acceptance of all people and all you know sort of worldviews um, he, he's kind of a utopian in a way and I I am just cheering for him on the sidelines these days I can't wait to see what he does next nice
0: my favorite discovery of this year. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And this is kind of, this is weird. It almost seems like a stunt, but I guess sort of along the Chris lines, I feel like I didn't necessarily discover all that much this year. I watched the Chucky franchise. That was a fun time, but I don't know. I felt like I didn't really dig up too much else. I did very late in the season, thanks to the YouTube horror uh, channel on our Amon Discord, discover the short film, short Christmas horror film, Treevenge. And I loved it. I forced it upon the folks who showed up for my Gremlins double feature uh, last week. It's, It's just a delight. It's a slasher movie where the slashers are Christmas trees who are pissed that humans have cut them down and dragged them into their homes and covered them in tinsel and ornaments. And while it is comical and gory... It's also incredible filmmaking. They make you feel (laughs) these trees as characters, silly as that may be, and feel empathy for them getting cut down and kicked around by humans. And I just thought it was extremely well done uh, for something that is, you know, essentially a quite silly, almost juvenile premise, but it is the best possible thing you could do with that premise and i enjoyed it very much so in a in a kind of small un, uncrowded uncompetitive field for me uh Treevenge was my favorite discovery of this year go check that out on youtube if you haven't
2: it's I, I love that short film i i caught that a couple years ago just browsing around on youtube and it's just fucking delightful
0: yeah very very well done all right The year is drawing to a close, and the episode is drawing to a close, which means it's time to give out the most important of all these awards we've discussed today, the Spirit of Jay Award. Again, Jay, a penniless shepherd uh, turned exorcist in uh, Mm -hmm. 1920 London, Fear Strikes Again, I think like the third movie we ever watched for this podcast. He left a huge impression on all of us to the point that we still drop his name and drop his little uh, musical cue on a regular basis on the podcast. So every year we pick the character we watched for a movie on the podcast who most reminded us of the spirit of Jay, which we all interpret a little differently. If you if you want to kind of explain your interpretation of this award, guys, throw that in here. But uh, Stephen, who most embodied the spirit of Jay for you this year? When I think of Jay, <laughs> I think of... Sorry, I already know where this is going and I think we're going to have the same one. So I'm really getting excited for this description.
2: I think of the proverbial wild card in the deck (laughs) that shows up in an otherwise middling film and injects a whole new sense of life and meaning into it Yes, and makes it memorable in spite of everything else. I gotta go with Joker from the blue whale. <laughs> That's my spirit of Jay. I mean. Yes. <laughs> what is there to say? What more is there to say? I, I, I just what a fucking wild thing that we experienced this year. <laughs> Tell, tell me your thoughts, because I, I have nothing beyond that.
0: If it, if it wasn't already clear, I also share in your big Joker energy. Joker in the Blue Whale is also my spirit of Jay this year. And I guess it might be useful just to add a little context for those who may not have listened to our episode on this extremely obscure, I believe, Egyptian movie. Um, it's a pretty rote, um, like killer app kind of movie and it's hinted throughout the film that there's a mastermind behind this killer app and very 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 late in the game it's revealed this mastermind is Joker he comes out he's dressed in the Joaquin Phoenix Joker <laughs> costume there's no there can be no doubt in anyone's mind that that's who it's supposed to be not a joker-esque yeah. character it is Joker Um, And he's in like one (laughs) shot, if I remember correctly. And other than that, I think you just hear his voice and it blew all of our minds. (laughs) Like listen to the episode to hear us mutually process our disbelief over that one. Um, But what a what a bizarre choice. And truly, you know, I always say like Jay, the spirit of Jay to me is like a character I sort of want to see more of. And you can't get more of that than this, where it's just like, oh, the mastermind is Joker. Tell me more. But no, the movie does this odd stunt. And then that's all he's in one shot. And that's it. It's just such a bizarre, inexplicable choice. And I just have to give that otherwise terrible movies, I guess, some degree of props for that. His arrival is so
2: fucking crazy, too. He arrives, like, there are, are like, a bunch of, like, lackeys hanging out in a backyard having some kind of, you know, maniacal conversation. And Joker is introduced in, like, a whip pan (laughs) mid-conversation. He just appears. It is an assault. Uh, It is. It is a cinematic assault. (laughs) And I fucking literally screamed when he arrived. And I'll never forget it. So, I mean... Very much in the spirit of Jay.
0: It was a delight to, like, experiencing that all over again with some of our friends and listeners who went on to watch the movie and, and, like, didn't listen to our spoiler room segment on it and just watching other people lose their ever-loving minds over that moment. It was it was a good time. I think that's what we do this for, right? Is to share those kind of insane experiences together. Chris, who who is your spirit of Jay?
1: Well, I mean, Jay... The reason we never forget him is because he's such a hero in the end, and so I always look for someone who's noble, someone that you feel safe when they're around, and maybe someone who makes, like Jay, the ultimate sacrifice out of love. And this year, that would be Father Tom Hogan from Ouija Origin of Evil, played by Henry Thomas. Oh, nice. Yeah. Don't try to talk to Henry Thomas about how much you appreciate him. Don't try to give him the award. (laughs) He doesn't <laughs> want to talk to you. <laughs> if but, he's drinking, don't go near him. <laughs> but great performance. Um, has the scariest, you know, he 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 chills your bones in this movie with his delivery of some of his lines when he's talking about the horror of this house that we're living in in this movie. Um, but just a, just a noble character who uh, I think does a lot to elevate Ouija Origin of Evil. So he is my spirit of J-Pick.
0: Dude, I would love to see like a Hobbs and Shaw kind of thing with uh, with Jay Joker. and Joker Father Tom and, uh. and Joker. Yeah, sure. Let's round it out. Wow. All right. Well, that rounds. I have out. I have one last. Oh, that's award. right. We have a special award. award. We have a special we're gonna, award.
2: We're gonna call it the the Black Book. I don't know. That sounds kind of horror, horrific. Um, on the we've read a few books on the book club. On Discord over the year, but I mean, what my favorite was one of the best books I've read in years, *The Fisherman* by John Langan, and it's the elevator pitch is that it's basically like what if what if Raymond Carver wrote a horror novel? I mean, it's very it's a it's a very low key story about a, a grieving man whose uh, wife and, and children have died in a car accident, and he's working for for like IBM and he starts drinking and his life is just falling apart and he just randomly takes up fishing and finds a coworker who he'd never talked to before but kind of admired they become fishing buddies and they hear about this odd legend um uh, about this this creek up in up in the mountains and they start to fish around there and weird stuff starts happening and it's Lovecraftian but not racist and utterly <laughs> fascinating. And it, and it also deals with a lot of like kind of blurs the line with like real life history of the region it's set in too. It's just such a a slow moving, compelling piece of work that, that I would recommend to anyone who loves to read uh, fiction, horror or otherwise. I think is an excellent book.
0: Heck yeah. I'll, I'll give – I mean I only participated in a, participated in a couple of book club – books this year but i really enjoyed and, and i don't know i had some reservations about this one but a certain hunger hunger yeah, yeah. oh mm-hmm. was a wild ride um i didn't necessarily like where it wound up in the end but um pretty incredible writing i will say along the way and looking forward to hopefully joining you for some more in 2024 Stephen, because i like your like your picks and i like the diversity of material you've been pulling out for that one and enjoy thank chatting you, with you. the the discord folks
2: it's a really lovely little group over there yeah
0: for sure All right. Well, it's time for us to close out our awards. Please let us know on our social media platforms. What were your favorite and least favorite movies of this year that you watched either with us on the podcast or on your own time? Uh, You can find us on social media at AmonCast, E-H-M-O-N Cast, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, You can also go to our broken website, which remains broken for the, the, I don't know, a few year end episodes in a row now. But you can still get to the link for our merch store on the website and buy yourself a little T-shirt or coffee mug or something with every horror movie on Netflix art on it. And as always, uh, please also go to your podcast provider of choice. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe uh, and leave us a review. We like to see the feedback and it helps people find the show. And I think that's another year of Amon, you guys. We're going to be back in two weeks. We kind of had a strange schedule for December, but I think we're getting back to normal. After this, we will be doing ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead next. A Wheel of the... Wheel of Death. Wheel of the Dead, I was going to say, for some reason that title sounds like it was created by ai it's so I weird i believe it's a thing that we have to watch <laughs> and i think and it's not even it's it's based on a, a manga series which i think has the same title i think it might just be like a weird translation issue that that's such an awkward mouthful but that's what we're doing next any final messages to the fans for 2023 chris steven
1: just everyone have a great new year Bring in the new year with Adele Dezim singing "What are you doing New Year's Eve?" <laughs> and I hope twenty twenty four brings you something great and not something terrible. Mm.
0: I'll echo that as yeah. well. I hope the twenty. I hope twenty <laughs> twenty four brings you all the spirit of Jay and hopefully a little bit more Chris spirit of Jay, a little more Father Thomas Hogan than than Egyptian one shot joker that's my new that was- year's wish for you all steven do you have a do you have sentiments they stay, al-
2: stay alive stay stay healthy and creep it real <laughs> all
0: right for every horror movie on netflix happy new year happy holidays i'm patrick i'm chris i'm steven see you next year babies